Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is my co-host, Stephen Kerr. If you're a first-timer with us, Stephen is a sports writer, sports radio personality, lifetime H-Town sports junkie. And Stephen, plenty of Astros coming up, but let's start with the football player on my T-shirt. I got this personally (laughs) made during the pandemic. It's Brian Piccolo for those not watching on YouTube. Any reason why I would be having Brian Piccolo on my T-shirt? Brian Piccolo? You mean the Brian Piccolo? Wow, how about that? Yeah, I certainly uh, do know why, Robert. As uh, you know, I, I mean, we we hate to start the show with sad news, but uh, of course, with the passing of James Conn, it's definitely uh, for those that don't know, uh, he of course was the one in the movie Brian's song. Yeah, and it just had to show some love and respect for Piccolo and Brian's song because, you know, really because of James Kahn, Brian Piccolo became a hero of mine the way he portrayed the Chicago Bears running back in the 1971 TV movie. And Stephen, because of James Kahn's unforgettable performance, not only did I fall in love with Piccolo and in turn fell in love with his best friend and Bears legend, Gail Sayers, but it's also why I fell in love with James Kahn, just that whole film and for those who don't know this was a movie that was so well watched 48 percent of everybody watching television 48 percent of them were watching brian's song when it aired and by the way that is the most watched tv movie in history and of course one year later james con he's getting killed in a toll booth in the godfather and what's probably <laughs> the most memorable scene in one of the greatest movies ever within a year james con had played one of the great heroes and one of the great villains. And Stephen, Tony Danza said the first time he ever saw his father cry was during Brian's song. I've heard so many guys say the same story about their dad or even say it was the first time they remember crying watching a movie. You know, as a former boss of mine used to say, Robert, if something like that doesn't move you, you're not alive. I mean, how can you not cry during Brian's song? And talk about opposites. Yeah, he certainly, he knew how to play the good guys and he knew how to play the bad guys about as well as anyone, but uh, yeah, very sorry to hear about that. And uh, Brian's song, the the most watched movie on television. I mean, I know that, you know, the landscape was so much different back then, but that's still an incredible figure, an incredible percentage, Robert. Yeah. And the other thing that, you know, when you think of him, obviously there's those two movies, but he was relevant 30 years later in Elf. You know, he's in Elf. That's right. At one point, he's in Misery and directed by Rob Reiner. We had Rob Reiner's son on the podcast a a few years ago, Jake. And uh, just over the years, so many different roles. But he just was one of those guys, Stephen, that when he was on the screen, you were fixated. His voice, his look, the whole thing. And just an incredible actor. But Brian's song so important to me. And not only did I get this Brian Piccolo t-shirt made during the pandemic a couple of years ago, but I also got one of Gail Sayers. That's how much I love the movie. I love those two guys. And I love that film. Well, and and to be honest, I I know how great a movie The Godfather was, but it really wasn't my kind of movie. It was something, you know, Brian's song was definitely it for me as far as James Caan was concerned. You know, Stephen, the Astros player who might be closest to James Caan is both a hero to some and a villain to others. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Bregman, and he's finally hitting baseballs where there aren't fielders for the first time this year. And Stephen, between Jake Myers and Bregman, 
this lineup is finally not riddled with holes like Sonny Corleone was at the toll booth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Great comparison, Robert. That's that's quite an analogy. I love it. And, uh, you know, at the first of the season, the first couple of months, actually, uh, we were kind of looking at Alex Bregman as uh, the villain, you know, the guy that maybe we didn't want anything to do with because he, he wasn't hitting at all. It's nice to see him finally putting it together. Yuli's putting it together. You know, Jake Myers coming back and pretty much, you know, basically picking up where he left off offensively last year. So, yeah, the Astros offense, I mean, I really, it was a bit of a concern, certainly because they've been so up and down for so long, you know, and they're still running into some ruts here and there. But honestly, we're starting to see the Astros offense that I think we knew was there all along. But, you know, you get guys like Bregman and Gurriel hitting, the way they we know they can, then that makes a huge difference with, you know, everybody else coming through. Steven, do I need to give you a few minutes to maybe get down on a knee and thank the baseball gods for giving us Jordan Alvarez? I mean, what a, uh, what a time to be an Astros fan right now with the way Jordan Alvarez is playing baseball. Well, I take some time every day to thank the Lord for Jordan Alvarez. Let me tell you, there's not a day goes by that I'm not thankful that he's an Astro and that I'm not thankful that they locked him up for a few years. We're going to see Jordan for a while, and thank goodness. And, you know, now I think, Robert, it, it's safe for us to start talking about. I know, it, you know, we're at the midway point of the season. MVP, MVP. Yeah, MVP. The Houston fans had it right the other day when they started chanting. I think you got to start talking about that conversation with Jordan being the clear MVP candidate at this point. Are people getting sick of the MVP chance? Like they're getting sick of the, I mean, for me, it's, it's I'm burnt out on it. Like I'm burnt out on the wave at this point. I, it, we do it with everybody. It seems like, I mean, we'll see a good week from Josh Christopher at some point with the Rockets and all of a sudden there'll be MVP chance. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's a time and a place to do it. Now with someone like Jordan, I, I don't think you can overplay that at all. I think he certainly should be considered and, you know, Robert, I, I have mixed emotions about whether I want him to be in the home run derby because I'm just afraid, you know, that you, you spend yourself in the home run derby and then the second half of the season you start falling off. I don't know if Jordan would do that, but, you know, I, I'd just like him to kind of keep things going as he has been after the All-Star break and, and really put himself in that position where it, there, there would be no question he'd be the MVP. He had that play the other night where he guns the guy down from left field at the plate. And, you know, then, I mean, he hit the home run the other game to, to walk things off. He hits another home run following the, the, the play at the plate. And as I joked, and it's not much of a joke, really. I'm like, is, is Jordan starting? Is he going to be the starting pitcher tomorrow night? Is he, is he going to be playing center for the, for the uh, Rockets during the summer league games? I mean, he, is there anything he can't do? Is he in the NHL draft? You know, we're recording this on Thursday. The NHL draft is this evening, Robert. Do you think you think he's going to be one of the top picks in the NHL draft? But, but yeah, and, and look, we talk so much about Jordan's hitting, but let's not underestimate his arm's been doing pretty well, too. So uh, this guy is really putting it together, I think, in all facets of the game, not just from an offensive standpoint, which is what we've you know been so lauding him with praise about the past few years. It doesn't seem that long ago we were talking about, can, can Jordan play in the field anywhere? Is he just a D? What are we going to do there? Well, I think a lot of that really was the question with his knees. I'm not sure it was so much ability. Yeah, he still had the ability, had to try to get that ability 
because he didn't have a lot of experience there. But the knees was the big question. Well, right now, those knees are not a question. Even his base running is, is well, too. It's funny. The Astros, they clean house against the New York teams pretty much, except for those two bad innings at the end of the couple of Yankees games. Then they get to the Royals and they're like, yeah, we're getting kind of bored. Let's give them a couple of run head start every night. And <laughs> then they start coming back with, from those games, except for the one that they couldn't quite uh, catch the, the Royals at. But, you know, for those wondering, by the way, why I've got, I've actually got a KC hat. You'll see K and C on the hat. And you're wondering uh, because of the Royals, he, he loves the Royals. No, I, I'm paying respect to the fight the Royals just gave us. Yes, but it's actually a recently purchased, you're going to love this, Stephen, a recently purchased Kansas City Monarchs hat. So hey, Actually, all paying right. respects to Ernie Banks, Sat- Satchel Page, Jackie Robinson, Cool Papa Bell, all former Monarchs, and of course, Buck O'Neill, who the former Monarch will be inducted into Cooperstown, don't forget, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and that's great to see. And of course, you know, the, the Negro League's getting more recognition you know, their records now being classified as Major League Baseball. So that's very fitting, Robert. That's very fitting. And getting back to the, the series with the Royals, I think I saw somewhere that from this point forward for the rest of the season, the Astros have the easiest schedule of almost anyone in the Major Leagues. Well, I don't know, you know, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, if they're going to start. I, I mean, look, they took three out of four from the Royals, but it, it almost seemed like it was a split. <laughs> because of the way they had to do it. So hopefully they'll uh, get a little more consistent against some of the teams like the Royals for the rest of the season. And uh, they did rough up, uh, you know, our old friend, Zach Greinke, Robert, don't forget that. Yeah. The focus not quite there at times during the Royal series and hopefully they'll get it back. I mean, they, they went through that tough, tough stretch where every night felt like a playoff game and maybe that's part of it. And you know, it's, it's not one guy. It seems like a lot of guys are just, especially in the field. And and I'm going to talk about that in a second, Stephen, but I heard a lot of whining from Astros fans the other day when Odorizzi gets roughed up on July 4th and his first start off the injured list. Nobody wanted to mess with the rotation, but Stephen, it's worth remembering and worth reminding people that Justin Verlander, number one, Justin Verlander was gassed two years ago in the playoffs before he turned 39 years old, which he is right now, and missed two full seasons with elbow surgery. Number two, Urquidy's never had more than 20 starts in a Major League Baseball season. And number three, Christian Javier has never pitched more than 100 innings in a Major League, or 101 innings in a Major League season. So you've got reason to have a six-man rotation. And this is not about winning every single game in the regular season. This is about what you do in the postseason. We've been there. We've done it. we got to figure out how to win in, in, in October, and that's why you want Odorizzi in that rotate. I don't think it's going to kill him to have him pitch one out of every six games. Well, what you would like to see, Robert, is that, you know, Jake was – it looked like he was getting things together right before the injury. He was starting to pitch much better than he had this his whole time, and then the injury messed him up. So now, you know, he's having to come back. And, and look, I, I don't think Jake Odorizzi's going to be with the Astros after this season, maybe even sooner than that, you know, depending if he, if he keeps getting roughed up. It's a possibility, but yeah, I, I think, you know, the other thing to consider, look, they've got what a 13 something game lead in their division. I don't think they're going to be relinquishing that. Hopefully they don't pull, you know, a Philadelphia Phillies you know, fall down from the sixties and some of these other teams that have blown big leads like that. 
you know, so I think you can't afford to do that. And yeah, you want your starters, especially with Verlander as well as he's doing. If he can get an extra day of rest here and there like he did this week, so be it. Because when you get to the postseason, Robert, you're going to need that energy, certainly if the Astros are going to go deep. There's been debate over what the Astros should look for at the trade deadline, Stephen. You got catcher, center field, relief pitching. We've heard all of these positions where they might be able to upgrade. Which position would you like to upgrade most at the trade deadline, if any? Well, honestly, Robert, I, I just think that if the Astros could pick up another utility infielder, or you know, a t- utility player, I guess, that can play around the field, who has a little pop in their bat, I think that's really what the Astros have lacked. You know, I, I think I saw, I, I don't know if you posted on Twitter or Facebook, maybe both, about Mauricio Dubon and just his lack of hitting. I mean, that, that seems to be what the Astros have gone through the, the last couple of years with their infield depth, especially. I mean, the outfield depth, you know, you, you could always recall Jose Siri if you need to, and you've got some guys waiting in the wings. And, you know, it, but the, the depth on the infield, especially if uh, Aledonis Diaz goes down, that's what you don't have, Robert. I think that's the biggest hole they need to fill right now. I was about to say, you, you said somebody with pop in their bat. I think they picked up with somebody somebody like that. Uh, if you've been watching Aledonisti, where has this been all year? He, he's yeah. had some pop all well, of a that's sudden. That's true. But I mean, beyond him, you know, and he's not proven to be the most durable player. So you go beyond him. And if you have another injury, like, you know, Pena, of course, has been out here and there. So that to me is is the biggest hole the Astros have had you know, for the last couple of years, aside from the different others that they've had to try to fill with the bullpen, which is doing quite well right now for the most part, and uh, some other positions. Yeah, Dubon, a big deal is made about the fact that he doesn't strike out that often. And, you know, he's uh, he, he's starting to strike out a little bit now as we're watching the last few games here. But it, it doesn't matter if you don't strike out a lot. If you're not getting hits, I mean, that's still the object. And it's yeah. somehow magically, I don't know how he does it, Stephen. This guy uh, gets the bat on the ball quite a bit. And somehow there's not, it's hard to be that bad a hitter as much as he gets the bat on the ball. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about barreling the ball. You know, if you barrel the ball enough, eventually the hits are going to fall. Well, with him, it, it hasn't proven to be that way. You know, and the other thing about striking out is, you know, you can't remove runners over when you strike out, at least. If you make contact with the ball, if it's a ground ball in the right spot, if it's a bunt, you know, something like that that can move runners over, a sack fly, then at least you're helping your team somewhat. So that, you know, the, the biggest problem with Mauricio Dubon is, is he's really hasn't been much of an upgrade over anyone else that they've put in that spot the last two or three years. All right, let's get to the big question because we're almost at the all-star break. Steven, besides Jordan Alvarez, which, you know, we're talking about a guy that might be the MVP right now, besides him, which Astros should be on the all-star team? Well, I think you're going to see Altuve there. I mean, I know he's, and I think in a pretty close race to be there as well. Beyond that, I mean, as much as I would love to see it happen, I I don't know that Jeremy Pena is going to be there, you know, as as nice as that would be. I, I certainly... You know, as as I go up and down the roster, I, I don't think you can, certainly don't think you can put Bregman on there. So, you know, Jordan and, and Altuve, I say, are going to be your two guys. You know, if, on, on my wish list, it would be Jeremy Pena, but I, I don't see that happening. 
Justin Verlander. Oh my God. He's got a two ERA 11 and three. He's got to be, he's, he should be the starter. Shouldn't he? Like, this is an incredible story. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I know that some other pitchers are having good years, but if you don't start Justin Verlander in the, in the American league, you know, for the all-star game, I don't know what you're looking at. I mean, what, what more does this guy have to do? In fact, if he keeps this up the rest of the season, if he doesn't get a Cy Young award, you might as well just abolish the award. Just forget it because it it is, I know, you know, Justin Verlander is an elite pitcher and has been for a long time. And I know we've talked about that on the podcast, but to do what he's doing, Robert, I, I still say it's an incredible story. Pitching wise, besides Verlander, you know, I don't know what they do with middle relief guys, but man, Rafael Montero is just, it's like he's in a rocking chair. What he does is amazing. We, we take him for granted, I think. Well, and you know, it's it's good to see that because last year he really wasn't much of a factor. I mean, he was injured part of the time. He did have some good innings when he was healthy, but I don't know that, maybe you did, Robert. I don't know that I expected as much from him this year as we're getting because yeah, this is crazy. He's He's just putting up some ridiculous numbers, and he's one of the reasons that the bullpen is so much better than it was last year. The other bullpen ace that the Astros have had, you know, you start taking for granted a little bit, has been Ryan Stanek. He's the only other one that I can really think has got an honest shot at at this. I don't think Fromber and Luis Garcia's numbers are quite good enough to get on the all-star team. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, I was thinking about Fromber. I I don't know that he will, you know, Luis Garcia has been kind of shaky lately. So, yeah, as far as the the starting pitchers, I I think Verlander's the only one you're going to see there. But, you know, you go in the bullpen, I mean, they they might pick someone like Ryan Presley, but but Ryan Stanek, you know, Rafael Montero, as as good of a year as he's having, I'm not sure that they're going to pluck him for the All-Star game. But somebody like Ryan Stanek, you know, has a, a bit of a known reputation could possibly be a, a fit for the uh, American League, uh, League relief pitching. Stephen, according to the Fielding Bible website, the Astros are second in the majors in runs saved behind just the Yankees. They're 12th in fielding percentage, 10th in fewest errors. By the standard fielding, they're still very good. But Stephen, I don't know, is it just me or have you noticed – they aren't quite making the borderline plays this year that we're used to. Those ones that, well, well, you know, that was pretty spectacular. Or, you know, it's not an error, but didn't the Astros used to make that play? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's where you kind of wish Carlos Correa was still there because he certainly made a lot of those plays. Bregman's, you know, he's been capable of making them, but I, I can't think of one, at least recently this year, Robert, that, that he's made that made you turn around and go, wow, you know, that's great. So yeah, you know, they're still up there. No, no question about it. I just don't think they've, they've dazzled us the way they, you know, the, the outfielders, you know, you mentioned Jordan and the, the plays, some of the plays he's made from left field, Kyle Tucker's done well in right field. So the outfielders, I, I think are certainly doing well as far as assists go, but you know, the infield, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's just there, I guess that's the best way I can say it. It's just there. Yeah, Yuli was a gold glover last year. Big drop off for him at first base. Yeah. Bregman, I'm surprised at this point in his career that there's still some just easy throws that he just doesn't focus on or whatever. He occasionally makes that exciting barehanded play, but sometimes he makes the barehanded play and the throw's not good enough. It's 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 really the throws that uh, beat him more than anything. There's not a lot of bobbles at third base. That that's what gets him. 
Uh, I, I want to get before we finish off with the Astros to your this week in Astros history, but just want to say something real quickly that we're recording this prior to the opening of the Rockets Summer League. So needless to say, uh, we're not going to be talking about the Summer League because it <laughs> hasn't happened on our watch yet. I'm looking forward to all these games, Stephen, for sure. And we'll be talking Summer League in the next week or two. I also want to remind everybody to go to our YouTube page. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or Google, wherever you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe to the YouTube page. Check out the newest playlist I made. I created a playlist. Stephen, you're going to like this one. There's a playlist with as many of the classic Houston sports commercials and yeah. promos that I could find on yeah. YouTube. Commercials with like Bum Phillips, J.J. Watt, Akeem, Ken Stabler, even Phil Garner back in the day, which is kind of fun. And I also threw in some 1980s Astros, Rockets, and Gamblers promos, Stephen. Man, I saw that the other day, Robert, and uh, the last couple of days have been pretty tied up with work. But when I get some free time, I am definitely going to check out that playlist because that is something that'll be right up my alley. So I appreciate you putting that up there. All right. We do a lot of history up on YouTube. And one of our favorite history segments that we've had on going here with uh, Houston Sports Talk is this week in Astros history, Stephen. What do you got for us this week? There might be some all-star stuff because we're coming right up on it this this particular week. Well, not quite, but uh, probably next week, I'm, I'm sure we'll have something in the near future. But what I have for you, I have a couple of things, Robert, and one of them is about the killer bees. No, not those killer bees, not Bagwell, Biggio, Bell, you know, Berkman, those guys. It's a different set of killer bees, and they made an appearance on July the 2nd of 2009. The Astros were in San Diego. They were playing the Padres, and they beat them 7-2. to two. But in the top of the ninth, a swarm of bees descend upon left field. They end up in the ball girl's jacket. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what you heard. A bee expert had to be brought in to take care of the situation, but the game is delayed 52 minutes in the top of the ninth because of those killer bees <laughs> so yeah that is quite a day in astros history and occurred on the 2nd of july of 2009 this was a padres game so yeah the uniforms uh for the padres typically yellow and brown they match the, the bees or maybe thought they were seeing uh big huge bees on the field or something maybe that confused them that must have been it and <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i had i mean i must admit that had slipped my mind i saw that robert and i wow i would totally forgotten that was uh, 13 years ago on uh, July 2nd. What else do you got in the in the queue this week? Well, I, I had a quick one on Nolan Ryan. It was actually on the 4th of July of 1980 that Nolan Ryan recorded his 3,000th strikeout against the Reds' Cesar Geronimo. Uh, the only problem is it wasn't one of Ryan's greatest performances. He only pitched four innings, and the Astros lost 8-1. to one, But, you know, Ryan still racked up quite a thing there with three, his 3,000th strikeout against Cesar Geronimo when they played the Reds that day in 1980. Hey, speaking of milestones, uh, you talk about the Nolan Ryan milestone. How about Dusty moving into eighth place in all-time wins as a manager on Thursday? And Stephen, my favorite thing about this is he passes Walter Alston. Walter mm. Alston played from 19, or coached, or managed, I should say, from 1954 to 1976 for the Dodgers. 23 straight years for the Dodgers. His last year in 1976 was Dusty Baker's first year 
as a player for the Dodgers. So Dusty actually played for Walter Austin in his last year as a manager. How about that for a full circle baseball moment? Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and then Walter Austin, I remember that. You know, when he stepped down, of course, the guy who took his place, pretty darn good manager in his own right, Tommy Lasorda. But uh, congratulations to Dusty. I mean, he just keeps moving up the ladder, you know, with these milestones that he's had this season. And he keeps going and, uh, you know, say what you will. I know you're sometimes critical of his lineups, Robert, and, you know, some of the late postseason sags that he's had over the years. But Dusty Baker, you know, top eight wins and managers, not just anybody can do that. Yeah, the the thing with uh, the Astros, which, which kind of confounds me at times, and I, I see people – I was arguing with this one in particular, one person in particular on Twitter, you know, they, they get upset with Dusty and the Astros, you know, they think they overrate Martin Maldonado. And I, I understand that the numbers and a lot of the numbers they may not like, but Dusty Baker has been around in baseball for 50 years. When he thinks a guy is converting wins uh, for you, then maybe you need to listen to him. James Click and Dusty Baker, all they do is go to the playoffs as a manager and as a general manager. And since Martin Maldonado has been the catcher for the Astros, well, specifically, let's just go to the last two years where he's been the main guy and, or the last three years, I guess. Now he took the Astros to the ALCS game seven, his first year, with the pandemic and the scandal and all of that. And he was one of the primary leaders. We always give Correa the credit or Altuve, but the catcher in a lot of ways is that leader out on the field. And he got that very young pitching staff with no Justin Verlander and a bunch of kids, Paredes and Garcia and Fromber and all those guys, the baby pitching Astros. He got him to the seventh game of the ALCS the next year. He takes the Astros to the World Series with no Verlander and Lance McCullers going down in the middle of the playoffs. It was Martin Maldonado, you know, coaching and doing all he does with his magic to get Luis Garcia to have big performances on big stages during that playoff run and to get the most out of Fromber and and the bullpen guys. And look what they're doing this year. I mean, the Astros, again, one of the best teams in baseball, and they're doing it with not what we thought was this incredible lineup or a, a, well, specifically lineup of starters and look at what these starters are doing and look at what the bulb it's the best pitching staff in baseball, arguably. And, and we got to give Martin Maldonado just a little bit of credit for this. Just a little bit. Absolutely. Robert. And look, I know the numbers that these guys are looking at are the offensive numbers. And well, let's be honest, Martin Maldonado. Okay. He had a couple home runs the other day, but he's not a great hitting catcher, but I don't think, you know, there are just certain intangibles that some players possess that to me are just as valuable as the ones you see on the stat sheet. And you just went over every single one of them. I mean, there's not much else I can say. Martin Maldonado, a catcher is, is such a valuable part of the team, especially when you have a young pitching staff. I don't think you can discount that in the least of how valuable this guy, this guy is an unsung hero. He really is. And you can look at his offensive numbers all day long, but there are plenty of other reasons that Martin Maldonado should be on this team and, and has helped this team win. And as I said, Robert, you just went through every one of them. Yeah, we give all of these other people credit. Everybody else gets credit. Well, 
Jordan has stepped up since, you know, in these last couple of years or, or Tucker or whatever. The one guy that doesn't get any credit as Springer leaves and Correa leaves and Garrett Cole leaves and one guy after another, you lose one guy after another, big time player, all-star player, leader. Springer was a leader. Yeah. Correa was a leader. But here's Martin Maldonado still here, still, you know, doing what he does. It's just give him some credit for, uh, you know, something. I understand the numbers tell a different story, according to some people. But sometimes numbers don't matter. And look, three or four at bats just don't matter as much to, to managers and to GMs with catchers, as does a guy that knows what he's doing with. Uh, pitching staff and knows how to handle guys in the psychology of handling pitchers. And, you know, baseball being mostly a mental game, that's a big deal. That, that really is a big deal. Final thoughts on either the Astros, anything else going on in sports? Steven? Well, I, I wanted to mention, you know, real quickly before we wrapped up that uh, want to send congratulations to Woody Williams, who is now the new pitching coach at the University of Texas. You know, I live here in Austin, Robert, so I follow the Longhorns pretty closely. Of course, many of us are familiar with Woody Williams, the former major leaguer, and, you know, Houston, uh, he, he was, of course, the pitching coach for Sam Jack up until just now, but now he is on the UT pitching staff, so a big congratulations to Woody for getting that job. And also one of the worst uh, contracts maybe in Astros history. <laughs> Probably. Hey, that is true. He, he didn't exactly pan out. Let's see, he played with the Cardinals for quite a few years and did have a stint, a short stint with the Astros. Didn't quite work out. But uh, glad to see he's doing well in the coaching ranks at least. And he was a former Cougar, right? Wasn't he a Houston Cougar? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, lot, a lot of Houston ties for Woody Williams. And, you know, it was a good before he got that last stint with the Astros. He, he actually was a good pitcher, much better than he was before that, obviously. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, UT, of course, made some shakeups, even though they went to the College World Series and made some shakeups in the coaching staff. So that's where Woody is now. Not a whole lot of other news going on in Houston sports. Uh, we're still waiting to find out what's going to happen with Deshaun. Steven, I, I don't know how long this thing is going to just keep going and going and going. But we're still waiting to like, what are they going to do with Deshaun as far as uh, punishment and all that. I I, I feel like th that's going to go on forever. And and it's like the NBA right now is at a total standstill as yeah. all, all these teams are waiting for the Kevin Durant thing to, to drop in. And that could take, I mean, the way things are going, it looks like they're, they're not getting anywhere with that. It could be months. So I, it's going to be interesting, yeah. like which teams start giving up on this whole, you know, what, what they might do or not do depending on the Durant deal. And, and, and there's a lot of teams I think that want to be a part of it, maybe help, be a middle person with some of what they're, you know, it's, there's a lot of little things going on with this Durant deal that, that are very interesting. Yeah. And I still keep hearing about, you know, the, the Rockets should be in the conversation for getting a DeAndre Ayton. So, you know, that's something that we may need to keep our eye on. I, I don't know that it will happen, but it, it's at least been in the conversation. I mean, I've been reading some national writers who are saying this. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, you know, that of course can kind of trickle down with the whole Kevin Durant situation. Yeah, they could be a middle person and, and and potentially get Durant to Houston. I don't think they're going to do that because I just no, get the feeling. I don't see that happening. Just get the feeling with Durant that they they feel like he's good enough to knock him out of a a, a, a good spot in the lottery next year. Although I I just don't care. I'm like, if you can get a guy that has talent, 
as a center and as a defensive guy and can be sort of a, a, a brick behind your defense, you know, I think you get that guy if you can, if you think he's going to be a difference maker. And you put him with Jabari and, you know, Jalen Green, and all of a sudden there's, you might actually really have something. And maybe your rebuild you, is over. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's as a, simple as that. You can work all the way up to a play in game potentially yeah. with that type of talent exactly. and, and those guys. So who knows? Um, always good to catch up with you, Stephen. We got to do it again uh, soon. Definitely going to have some, uh, at least one podcast next week, if not. Uh, more than one with with guests and if steven can can join us for one that'd be great as well but we're gonna we're gonna keep bringing you guys some shows go back into the archives if you haven't but uh, uh had a great time steven and so much fun when the astros are playing well isn't it absolutely let's see if they can keep it up you're listening to houston sports talk Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh